these are things that every woman needs to know how to do so that she doesn't get disease in 50 and 60. All those diseases, the cancers, the heart disease, the Alzheimer's, that is all preventable. But we don't hear that. We don't talk about it because once a woman goes into menopause, it's like, whoop, we have no solution for it. We're embarrassed to talk about it. Who wants to stand up and say, I'm anxious and depressed and yelling at my husband all the time? It's easier to stand up and say, my husband's the problem than to say, I'm feeling in a certain way that doesn't feel normal to me. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. This show is all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Not going to lie, I love intermittent fasting for women, and so does my expert guest today, Dr. Mindy Pels. And I especially love intermittent fasting for women as their metabolisms change, especially later on in life. Because here's the deal, whether we like it or not, what worked for us in our 20s, even our early 30s, doesn't work for us in our late 30s, our 40s, especially our 50s and beyond. Our metabolism slows down. And there are other factors that impact our metabolism as well, like inflammatory foods, insulin resistance, a sluggish liver, and a decrease in muscle mass, just to name a few. Given all the changes that take place in our body, it's important that we take it all into account. And luckily, there are great ways for women to fast so that they can get all the benefit without causing hormone disruption, because best believe we do not want to cause hormone chaos due to fasting in the body. Now, three of the biggest benefits are increased energy, decreased weight resistance, and boosting insulin sensitivity. These are massive wins when you look at the most disruptive symptoms that women are concerned with today, which are feeling tired, having that low energy, stubborn weight gain, and brain fog. Now, probably the two benefits that I love most about intermittent fasting is number one, boosting mitochondrial function. And that improves energy across the board. No more feeling tired at three o'clock in the afternoon. And the number two is cellular autophagy. This is when your cells have the opportunity to do some massive spring cleaning to reduce inflammation and toxicity. Cellular autophagy boosts cellular longevity, and that translates into improved quality of life as we get older. That way, we really get to enjoy our life for as long as possible, which to me is the number one thing we all want. Who doesn't want longevity? Who doesn't want to feel good in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond and do the things that they love? We all want that. Now, the big reason why I felt the need to research and write my newest book, The Essential Oils Menopause Solution, is I wanted women to not only embrace midlife, but I also wanted women to feel set up for success, living the life that they want, along with the energy and the health to do it. As our mindset shifts and we launch into this new beginning, it feels even more empowering when you feel like your body is ready to take on those new passions and adventures because you have the health and vitality to do so. Now, Dr. Mindy Pels feels this exact same way, and she is living her best life following the principles she has studied for women 40 plus. Now, before we jump into solutions women can absolutely implement, I want to quickly sing her praises. Dr. Mindy Pels is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, nutrition and functional medicine expert, and has spent decades helping thousands of women reclaim their health. She's a recognized leader in alternative health, and she has pioneered the fasting movement. 
She teaches principles on fasting lifestyle, diet variation, detox, hormone optimization, and so much more. Her popular YouTube channel combines the latest science and practical lifestyle tools to help every person reset their health. And she is the host of one of the leading science podcasts, The Resetter Podcast, and the author of three best-selling books. The book we're going to be talking about today, The Menopause Reset, The Reset Factor, and The Reset Kitchen. Welcome this amazing woman to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Mindy Pels. How are you doing today? I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We are literally soul sisters on the same mission. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are, definitely. And we are talking about a conversation that I cannot get enough of right now. And that is, why do women need to think about menopause differently? We got to reframe. Yeah, we got to rebrand it. That's yes, what I keep this saying. This ain't your mama's yeah. menopause. No, it's not. That's so, that was well said. No, it is not your mama's menopause. And women, we need to talk about it. Like we got to start talking about our experience and sharing with the, our wins. We don't need to b- about it, but we need to really help each other through it. Because uh, as I always say, menopause is an extreme sport. And if you're not prepared for it, you're going to go down. It, it will be brutal. And the answers that the medical world will give you are far and f- few between. So we got to start rebranding it so women can step into it with like glory and, and be excited about it as opposed to villainizing it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, here's the deal. I wish I wish the medical system had more for us, but they just don't. You know, your, your primary doctor, even sometimes your OBGYN, they're not hormone experts. And they don't really understand, they surely don't understand perimenopause. We, we ignored the idea of perimenopause up until like a decade ago. Right. There, I don't even think the word existed till about a decade ago. Yeah, exactly. No, it was, you don't know. You, you, you just slam into menopause. Yeah. And there was just so much confusion <laughs> into that, right? And it's not about, we were going to talk about sauntering, but you're absolutely right. It is a, it's a marathon. And if, if like, like anything that we want, you know, to thrive in, we've got to put in the work for it. Oh, so well said. So we, well said. We can't co-opt it. We can't outsource, we can't outsource this. No. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. This is like the one liner soundbite podcast. Ladies, you got to take that and put it, put it on your mirror in your bathroom. Don't outsource menopause. Oh I God, I got it. zingers for days. <laughs> Bring them out. It's awesome. I love it. So Dr. Minnie Pels, I am in love with your work. You know, I had you on the summit, which you shined bright. People were like, give me more of that. And I was like, you can go find her here. She's got a book coming out, The Menopause Reset, which is such a sexy name. I love that name of the book. And let's talk about that first, that topic, literally the topic of the show, which is why do we need to think about menopause differently? Talk to me about not only why, but then how can we? Yeah. I think the most important thing that most women don't know, and I'll put myself in the same boat when I went through my menopause experience, is that at 40, what happens is your ovaries start going, I'm out. 
I'm done. Now, if you're 40 trying to get pregnant, you don't want to hear that. But here's the other side of this is that from 40 till about 55, it's a 10 to 15 year journey where these ovaries slowly back out. And what they do is they've got to make a decision to hand over the job of sex hormones to another organ. So they hand it over to the adrenal glands. Well, I'm 51 now. The 40, if the 41 year old version of me was sitting here, she was running marathons. She was overscheduled. She was late night at, you know, social events. Like she had two little kids. There was nothing that my adrenals could do about that extra load of sex hormones. And this is happening to so many women. So the reason we need to talk about it is because your lifestyle has to change at 40. And if, and it doesn't have to be complicated. If you make changes, and this is what I put in the book, there's five changes you want to make. When you make these changes, now you're living in accordance with your what your ovaries and your adrenals are doing. And you literally can go through menopause without HRT. You can go through it without bioidenticals. You can go without SSRIs. That is that that is left there for the person who is not making the lifestyle changes that need to happen. Amen. Amen. And I will even say that I, I see that some women could even start to see some of that maybe at 38 and 39. Oh, it's find, earlier and earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think it has a lot to do with the lifestyle that we're talking about right now. Like you said, the overscheduled, go, 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 got the younger kids, running the marathons, not only running marathons as you were, but running the marathon of life. You know what I'm saying? As a woman. And where I know for me, I felt like I got Mack trucked in probably 36, 37. And because of drowned adrenal adrenals and all of that, I ended up getting Hajimoto's thyroiditis kind of as a, just like, well, that's what you get for running your butt into the ground, girl. And so I think... (laughs) And then here I am 41 with a baby, you know what I'm saying? So like the lifestyle we're going to talk about today is we we have that ability to make that transformation, but you're absolutely right. If we don't, we don't uh, align with the changes that are happening with our body, then th- those other options may end up having to come onto the table. Yeah. And this is why we have to talk about it because we have to bring it to the surface. And and in the book, I talk about how when I hit a wall at 43 and I was like depressed and anxious and not sleeping and I didn't know what was going on, I went to women, my, my sister, my mom, and everybody sort of gave me a different, my best friends, everybody gave me a different advice. And it was everything from take an antidepressant to buck up if the menopause sucks. And I was like, not okay with that. So then I went to a good friend who was an OB and she really changed my opinion because she said to me, Mindy, I have a practice full of women with these symptoms and my medical textbooks have failed me. And the minute she said that, I realized, okay, there is no answer that my OB is going to have. I got to find my own answer. And they're, they're very clear on not having an answer for you. Interesting uh, that they are. I agree. That mm-hmm. Not all medical specialties are, are like that, right? No, and I, you're absolutely right. Not all our specialties are like that. Usually they, they've got something for you. You may not like it. Yeah, it's nice. They're honest. Yeah, I've <laughs> talked to so many OBs and over and over and again, like I have come short. I've got nothing for them. I've got nothing for you. And they're just that honesty that like, that wasn't taught in school. These are my options here. I've got hormonal birth control. I've got hormone replacement. And that's all I got. <laughs> And right. that's it. <laughs> and so, so here's the crazy thing. If you think about birth control, you think about HRT, 
every, our emotions, our perspective on life, our sleep, our happiness is all determined. Our weight, the ability to lose weight, the ability to be mentally clear, this is all determined by hormones. So Mm -hmm. a question you got to ask yourself is, am I okay putting a synthetic chemical in my body to manipulate these hormones that will change my outlook on life? No. (laughs) Right. Thank you. So I made a commitment at 43. I'm like, I'm going to go through this process medication-free. And I'll tell you at 51, I'm happier than I've ever been applying these principles. I made it through. I'm sleeping. I'm, you know, like the, I was able to make the hot flashes go away. There was so much I could change with lifestyle, but it's lifestyle is not sexy. And it takes work and you're not going to hear about it on the commercial in between the the news reels you're listening to. It's so true. And let's speak into the fact that you slap in a bunch of estrogen on yourself has nothing to do with insulin resistance or low thyroid function or leptin and ghrelin. Like we're talking about other hormones here that could be the reason. And us putting on an estrogen patch or taking Xanax isn't going to fix the metabolic dysfunction that we're experiencing. And so I I just, it feels like, you know, a a Band-Aid that women are told that that's what they need when oftentimes that band, it's, you put it on the wrong place. It's not even on the right soreness. It's not on the, on the right, right wound. You, you didn't put, even put it on the wound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had that's a, a good you, analogy. And that's what, I, so I just, it breaks my heart to see. And my mom was that woman who at 48 years old, having crazy hot flashes, weight resistance, all the whole thing, the whole gamut of symptoms that she wanted the labs done. She didn't want to tell me, she didn't want to burden me with what was going on at the time. And she thought she could kind of like go over here and do it and handle it. She was like, but I know I needed to get labs. And her doctor's like, no, I don't run labs because they're not necessary. Two, I'm just going to give you an estrogen patch and it's going to fix your problems. So my mom went off on her merry way. For a couple of weeks, it lessened her hot flashes, but the symptoms came on. She ended up in a really deep, dark hole of a depression and just crazy symptomology. Three months later, she calls me in the middle of the night and she's like, I'm having suicidal thoughts. Like, I don't even know what's going on. Like who I was three months ago, I'm not even that woman anymore. And I was like, well, what? what changed? What happened? And she's like, I'm so sorry. I never told you, but I got on this estrogen patch and uh, it's been downhill since then. And this is her story, right? This is not everybody, but I, we weaned her off that estrogen patch because let me tell you, hormone replacement is addictive if you're not mindful. So we had to be careful about taking her off. And then we adopted so much of what you talk about in the book. And she had a massive turnaround in like 60 days, including no more depression. And so, you know, had we looked at what was going on with her, we looked and not just thrown on a patch, like she was in the danger zone for sure. How how old was she? She was 48. Yeah. She was in it. So, right. Like I think in the forties, you know, it depends on the age you have your kids, but you know, there's this thing where when the depression and anxiety hits, it's so easy to call it your husband or call it your kids or call it, I'm a working mom. It's so easy to label it something else. And what I learned as I sort of suffered through it and started pointing fingers at everything outside of me was that there was a a chemical change that was happening inside of me that was making me irritable to everybody around me that was causing me not to sleep, that was messing with my thought pattern. And I think that's really the gift we have to give women back is that if you are depressed at 40 and 
and over, if you're anxious, if you're not sleeping, if you're suicidal, that you're not going crazy, you're just missing your hormones. And now let's work to naturally bring that back for you. Mm, I love that so much. So let's talk about the not so sexy, but absolutely necessary lifestyle. I think that first step, and I think you can agree to it, is that we do have to reframe. We do got to say to ourselves, I get to redefine this. I get to decide what this looks like for me. I get to reclaim my life, but I also, I get to be responsible for it. I get to be the CEO of it because again, outsourcing it most likely isn't going to do us any favors unless they're outsourcing it to our books. (laughs) That's right. There we go. Unless you're like, you know, vision for the world is that at four, like what we're about to talk about here on this podcast, that every woman at 40 sees that there's a lifestyle change that needs to happen. And my dream is that it also will happen to teenagers when they go through puberty or women that who, when they decide to get pregnant, like, I feel like in these moments where we have these huge hormonal changes, we need a manual. So I actually never wanted to write the menopause reset, but my whole community was like, what are you doing? What'd you do? They could like, my friends were like, I can see a difference in you. What are you doing? So I, that's why I just whipped it out. I'm like, okay, we're going to make this an easy read. Let's get this in everybody's hand because there is a lifestyle that has to change at 40. And if it doesn't, you will suffer more. That's the bottom line. Mm, So true. 100%. And the sooner that we can do that, the better. I mean, ideally what I love, and not that any 20 or 30 year old is looking to look into a menopause book, but it's a lifestyle that we do then that's going to dictate how it goes later. And my mom had horrific periods in her twenties and her thirties. It's no wonder she hit a wall in perimenopause heading into menopause, right? And the beautiful thing is, is that I've learned is that women can absolutely turn turn it all around at, really at any place. So I want to just bring the hope to that. If you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I'm 49 true. right now. Yeah. Yes. Or postmenopausal. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Postmenopausal. Like any time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk to me. What is, what's the number one thing that you would start with? Gosh, well, you know, I'm a fasting fan, so I'm going to start with with how often you're eating because the 40-year-old version of me would eat six meals a day, was, you know, got up every morning, had a cup of coffee and either a smoothie or some toast with some peanut butter on it. And I was, I grew up in the school of breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And what happens over 40 is that as estrogen goes on its little roller coaster ride, you become more insulin resistant and the absolute best way to get out of insulin resistance is just doing something as simple as intermittent fasting. Because now you're training your body to go from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. And you're you're showing your body that it has two energy sources. And this is going to become more important the deeper you get into menopause. But just start with intermittent fasting. It doesn't cost money. It's it once you learn how to do it, it 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 frees up your life. You get better mental clarity. It's a game changer. Mm, I love that. And where, like, and I know that fasting for women can be different than fasting for men. We're not little men. No, we are not little men. We have to keep yelling that. (laughs) But I want to speak, I think, and I I had a whole episode devoted to this topic is the number one hormone to look out for in your forties is not estrogen. It is insulin. That is Ah, the big one. Yes. I love it. Yes. That's a good, that's a good rebrand because I agree. The other one that I never knew, and I I wrote a whole chapter on this because I was so like sad that I took this hormone for granted was progesterone. 
Oh, I'm like, man, progesterone, like my 25 year old version didn't even think of you. And my 45 year old version is asking you to come you. back. <laughs> yeah. It's a mourning. It yes. is a grieving process. Yes. I don't think anyone knows how, how much they're taking for granted progesterone. Absolutely. And no, and losing both losing estrogen and progesterone is a big hit. But when we start to look at the symptomology of what women are dealing with, the brain fog, the, the weight resistance, the belly fat, the craving the exhaustion, I think that is an, that's insulin driving behaviors, insulin driving symptoms, where because we lose these protective hormones, insulin is becoming very resistant. And I, I would say that when we have a deregulated levels of insulin and cortisol, right, I think that they are tandem, that we're talking about massive inflammation, Yes. Yeah. And so in the book, I talk about a hormonal hierarchy where if you want to make a change in your sex hormones, you have to manage insulin. I actually think it's near impossible to manage insulin or to, to change estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone if you're not doing something around insulin. And fasting is a great way. We can talk a little bit about diet too, but fasting is one of the best ways to start to bring insulin back into check. But then we have to remember that insulin is controlled by cortisol. Mm -hmm. So yes, ma'am. Right. We, so you can't sit there and like stress yourself into better menopause. No, <laughs> it does not work. And you can't, you can't like, unfortunately, like the fat, I, I, and I am a big fan of intermittent fasting. I love it. And I love the work that you do because you've dialed it so beautifully. Just such a revolutionary in that sense, like figuring that out for us as women. But I always say, like, you can't, you can't intermittent fast, you can't green smoothie, you can't kill salad no. your way out of chronic stress. No, no. And we see so many women on our platform that they, because what I teach is put the scale away. The scale doesn't tell you anything about your self worth or about your health. And let's start looking at things like glucose monitors and the little keto mojos. Let's look at that. But then women get obsessed with that. They're like, I'm doing everything you're saying, but your my blood sugar isn't coming down. And then I say, okay, just keep doing everything I say and just relax. Just relax. Yeah. And yeah, I'll tell you what, that is a trigger word for me. If my husband tells me to relax, I become a tigress. <laughs> okay. So this is, so here, and you have a baby, so this is perfect. So yeah. I am the same way. I'm like, don't tell me to relax. You know? <laughs> tell me to relax one more time That's right. and let's see if your head is on your neck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> married to the same guy. <laughs> and that's, that sounds like a perimenopausal woman. You kind of want to kill everybody around you. Yeah. Especially him. Especially <laughs> the ones that keep coming back every day to have a conversation with you. So <laughs> but here's what I started to do. And this is where you, you and that baby, you can like make sure that you're loving on that baby as much as possible. Because if you get oxytocin, oxytocin brings cortisol down. Now, if you bring cortisol down, now you can regulate your insulin. And now all those sex hormones that you're trying, hoping HRT is going to fix, you're, you've fixed on your own. So I started doing things like petting my dog more, you know, because my kids are grown, right? So my 18-year-old son, I now have a, a joke with him where I'm like, I just need some oxytocin. Can you hug me for a moment? And just, just luckily take over the team it. for yeah. mama. Take over the team. <laughs> Take one for the team. Team so mama over here. <laughs> exactly. So, but you start looking at oxytocin not as this nuisance, like, oh my God. You start going, 
oh my, it, oh my God, if I, inter- if I have conversations like this, if I, you know, pet my dog, if I take my dog for a walk, if I call somebody and I tell them I love them or that I give them, you know, tell them how grateful I am. Those are moments that are helping my hormonal health. That's mm-hmm. a game changer. Hmm. I think especially community. I, you know, I think about women in terms of our resilience and also especially in cultures where menopause isn't, there's not even a word for menopause in Japan. It's not even a word for menopause in, in, in parts of South America. Like, and you think about those women are so deeply embedded in their community. Like there's that, that the best friends resilience that you've got that it, then it's literally, you're just pulsing out oxytocin all the time because you got right? your ladies. Yeah. And it's so true. I believe that, you know, t- tapping into that oxytocin and you know, having ways in which that you can send the safe safety signals to the brain that tell your brain that everything is okay, that there's not a tiger behind you when you get that text message is so, so critical because you and I both know if cortisol is deregulated, insulin is just going to fall right out of regulation. And you know, whether you, you're eating super healthy, you're filling in the nutrient gaps, I would say that, I, I, I don't know if this is what you're seeing a lot of, but that stress is one of those intangibles that that really is wrecking so many of us. You so know? many. I think a lot about like how many um, divorces happen in in a woman's forty year old years because her hormones are changing and then her kids are growing up and the stressors have like hit she's hit her max. So absolutely, I think we cannot move through menopause without tools on how to handle stress. And to your point about women and community, I was thinking, you know, they always tout the um, Okinawa women as they live to what, 100, 120. Okay, so two of the things I know that they absolutely do. One is they only eat one meal a day. So they are, they eat less and they're, and we've seen this before that there's more calorie restriction uh, happening in those women. But the second is that they hang out in community. Yeah, they've got their group that they grew up with like their whole life. And they get together multiple times a week into their hundreds. You know, yeah, and the, I think usually their meal is usually like lunch. So this is kind of that middle meal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and they not, could have written my book. Yeah, they could have. Yeah, <laughs> and when they're getting together with their ladies, it's not like it's not a wine down. You know, they're not pounding bottles of wine at like seven o'clock at night because you and I both know wine ain't doing nobody any favors. Yeah, you know, I know. Unfortunately, I know. I know. And I, I actually brought Dr. Carrie Jones on my podcast because I was like. You can't stop bashing wine. You have to tell me that wine is going to be okay for me. I was just teasing her, you know, and she's like, because I, because I can see it on my CGM. I can see that my glucose goes down and I'm like, oh, wine must be good for me. But then as Carrie reminded me, yeah, but your bot, your liver has to break down estrogen. And so that's mm-hmm. no good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, the wine about- down. I know. And it breaks my heart. Like I, 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 I'm, I love, I love, I should have been, I know part of me like in a previous life was Italian. I know it. And, but there were, there came a point where I, I want to say it was probably around 39. All of a sudden that glass of wine or that one little cocktail, it was, it was, a, it was, it was harmful. I felt it the next day. I couldn't show up the way I wanted to the next day. And, and, um, but so many of us, especially in our forties, when we should be putting it, putting it to rest, we're doubling down on the wind down, you know, with our, with our best friends. And that I find can be so detrimental to us. We wonder why we feel like crap the next day. Right. Right. (laughs) 
Yeah. And you hear a lot of women actually in their 40s say, I just can't drink wine anymore, or I just can't drink alcohol. And that's a really good sign that you need to love on that liver. That liver is doing a lot of work. And the interesting thing that I really have been talking a lot about lately with my community is just because you make a hormone doesn't mean you metabolize that hormone and are getting it into the cells. So for the woman going through menopause, estrogen's already declining. So you want to use as much of that estrogen as you possibly can. And if the liver is already overloaded, it's not going to break down that estrogen very well. And you're going to find yourself more estrogen deficient. And that is not what you want. No, no. And I would argue, just like we see a lot of insulin resistance, is that most of us are dealing with a sluggish liver yes. by the time we're in our 40s. I mean, yes. your liver, talk about, have you ever watched the show Dirty Jobs? Like, that is your liver. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and yes. I just think we don't think about it until we see elevated enzymes or we, our doctor tells us we have a fatty liver. We never think about that. Like, we don't wonder, why do we have estrogen dominance? Why am I seeing all these estrogen dominant type signs? And it's most likely your liver is getting its butt handed to it. And so I'm so glad that you mentioned that as well. And I know Dr. Carrie Jones doubles down on those three phases, right? Phase one and two of the liver and then the gut being the third phase. And if we are drinking a lot, that gut permeability is real. You know, that estrobolum is not able to function so well. No, no. And that was the other like aha I had when I went through menopause. Like, oh my God, I actually have a set of bacteria in my gut that break down estrogen and they actually gave it a name. Like, yeah. that is so cool. So cool. Like, well, I thank God for that. Right, you know, exactly. <laughs> they actually gave it a name that sounds like estrogen too. So it, yeah, it's there was so much I learned about my body in the 40 in my 40s that. I'm like, why aren't we teaching 13 and 14 year olds this or women who are trying to get pregnant? It's crazy how much your lifestyle can impact your hormones. We just haven't been taught that. No. And and that's, again, why we're having this conversation. We're continuing to have more of these conversations because they're so necessary. It's no wonder women walk out of the doctor's office and just just bewildered and and disappointed and just, just feel like they they have nothing. They got, they've got nothing walking out of there. I have felt that way multiple times, you know, and I've, I've even as a women's hormone expert and practitioner, um, when I was going through the process of being pregnant and visiting my OBGYN, I know I have thyroid. I'm always regulating my thyroid, making sure it's, I tweak it and make sure it's working properly. And it's, it was just so fascinating to be with her and to ask great questions. And she's like, you know, I got nothing for you. And I was like, I know you don't, but it's, I just, it's just, it's interesting to be in it, be it. Cause I have to go anyway. I'm pregnant. I got to go to these appointments. Um, and one of the things that was such an alarming, interesting moment, I had to do my glucose tolerance test. Every pregnant woman has to do it just in case you've got insulin resistance during your pregnancy. And she's like, you're going to fail this test. And I was like, what? She's like, yes, you're 41. One, you're you're failing. She and I. Was, wow. And because she she's didn't like, have very much faith in you. <laughs> well, it's so fascinating. She's like that. We know this. That they know this, and yet it's still a watch and wait scenario. She's like almost every woman in their forties has insulin resistance, and pregnancy is guaranteed insulin resistance. So you're forty and you're pregnant, girl. I promise you, ninety five percent of the women who come in here. Of insulin resistance, and they fail this test. And I was like, well, I'm gonna show you. Yeah, I was gonna woman. say. 
tell me you didn't fail it. I did not fail it, girl. I did not (laughs) fail that test. And, um, and she, you know, she sent me a little message and she's like, whoa, you didn't, I was like, do you know how hard I work at dialing my insulin levels? Like it's, but what was really fascinating, the thing I took away from is like, wait, all these doctors know that us, us as women are struggling with insulin resistance. And yet it's this wait and see approach to pre-diabetes, pre-diabetes, diabetes. Okay. We got something for you. Right. Right. And that was one thing that I, I, when I started to look at these declining sex hormones, I started to see that actually more disease happens for women post-menopausal. But we don't actually talk about that because we always hear of the 40-year-old mom who dies of breast cancer. And so my mentality prior to that was that women were getting more cancers before they go through the menopause process, but it happens after. So then I started thinking, okay, well, if you don't change your lifestyle and all you do is the, is HRT, then you're actually setting yourself up for more disease because you haven't really created a lifestyle that will naturally balance these hormones on their own. And estrogen is cardioprotective, making sure you, you your estrogen is breaking down into the helpful estrogens, not the harmful estrogens. Like these are things that every woman needs to know how to do so that she doesn't get disease in 50 and 60. All those diseases, the cancers, the heart disease, the Alzheimer's, that is all preventable. But we don't hear that. We don't talk about it because once a woman goes into menopause, it's like, whoop, we have no solution for it. We're embarrassed to talk about it. Who wants to stand up and say, I'm anxious and depressed and yelling at my husband all the time. It's easier to stand up and say, my husband's the problem than to say, I'm feeling in a certain way that doesn't feel normal to me. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And it's, I think it has a lot to do with, with how society has painted our worth and, and, and painted our how we show up in the world. Like I, there was something that was really interesting that I learned is that marketing companies, when they're doing marketing research, they stop researching women after the age of 55. Cause I don't think it's worthwhile. Yeah. Um, it's just the most brilliant at that. I know. And it just, it just, it's just really how culture, our culture is continuing to perpetuate it. And I can't tell you how often I hear women are just like, I'm just, it's downhill from here for me. Like that's all I've just decided that that's how it's going to be. And then it's just this downhill trek to a cardiovascular disease or to cancer or dementia or osteoporosis or a broken hip or whatever that, that may be when there's so much that we could do. Yeah. It's just all, once you hit that phase, we just write it off. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And here's what I've noticed at 51 is that each year that goes by, I actually feel wiser. I feel more comfortable in my skin. My kids are grown. Like I'm starting to look around my life and go, okay, what do I want to do? I've spent the last 20 years trying to orchestrate my life around kids. It's like I'm in a place where my health is more important than ever before because it's quality of life. And I can't imagine going into the postmenopausal years with hating the body you're in, not sleeping, hair falling out, um, and depressed and anxious, hot flashes. And then now you got to worry about disease. This has to change. That has to change, but it's only going to change by women banding together and talking about it and sharing our experiences, not in a way, in a collaborative, wonderful way, but then giving our, looking at our lifestyle and making those changes. Hmm. I agree. And I love that we've talked about a couple of those big lifestyle shifts that are actually really quite easy. You know, the intermittent fasting, and I want to dive into that a little bit more, the, you know, you know, maybe tabling the alcohol or the wine just to help, 
help. Again, it's all about insulin, potentially getting a continuous glucose monitor so you can really see what's going on there. Highly you know, recommend ha- it. Yes. And then also, you know, the, boosting that oxytocin or having those rituals, that self-care that tells the brain that everything's good, that we can turn off the rushing women's syndrome, you know, that we've got these safety signals that we can send to, to the brain. Now, I have surveyed, I know you probably have too, I've literally surveyed close to 50,000 women in perimenopause and menopause. And I have asked them over and over again, what is the biggest disruption? What is the biggest disruption? And I, you know, time and time again, I've been doing this for five years because I'm always just curious if things shift because we always hear that menopause is hot flashes and vaginal dryness. And let me tell you, it never, those never make the top three list. They never do. And not to say that those aren't some of the biggest concerns for some women, but it doesn't ever make the top three list. No, that's so number, old school menopause. Yes. That's old. That's like the old school menopause messaging well, it's, was it's the, the hot flash. Men messaging. Yeah, I don't even know right. what that is. Oh, like, good point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Wow. So first one is weight resistance. I was They're struggling say, with weight. Yeah. You know it. Um, number two is la- they're exhausted. They're tired, trying to get through the day, waking up exhausted, try- and then slugging their way through the day. And then number three that always pops up is sleep. I was just going to, yep. Yeah. Yep. Sleep. Those yep. Are the three. I would have I guessed all three of those. And then the, the memory loss is yes, what and I brain also fog's hear. number four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. The, that's always number four. Half flashes are typically number five. You know, they're like, you know, those are, I don't like them. You know, women are just like, I don't like them. They're not these, the, like the every day you look in the mirror and you're just like, oh, but like, and, and I think that, no, you know, and women are, you know, we were over exercising, we're over stressing, we, and we don't know what is happening to our metabolic resilience. And so this is really where you have championed the work because you are hearing women, you're hearing where their struggles are. I mean, it, and by the way, it's all tied. All of these three things are tied together. And so talk to me about how fasting has really been such a big piece for women, that that first step. So I'm always looking yeah. for the, the first the step. The first one, yes. yes. So here's the lack of knowledge that most people don't realize, but then we'll put it in terms of over 40. So I just always say menopause to me is over, like when you start to move over 40. You have two energy systems. One is a sugar burner, one is a fat burner. So if you look at the nutritional world, we have been debating what diet is going to help us lose weight for years and we haven't found it. Okay. So why haven't we found it? Is it, have we just not, are we not looking in the right places or is it that, you know, the, we haven't found the, the perfect diet. And then we argue too about what diet is best. Like on our platform, we've got the vegans and the carnivores all arguing with each other all the time. But the silly thing is that there's a whole nother part of the discussion. And that is how do you get your body to become a fat burner? And the best way to do that is through fasting. So what you've got to do, the very first step is look at your eating window. Right now, your eating window is probably seven in the morning till eight o'clock at night. And in that eating window, you are probably working on the quality of the food, hopefully that you're eating. And you probably came from the camp of let me eat more and that will speed up my metabolism, which there's no science on that, by the way. There, we, I've, ne- I've looked, there's I've, no science. I feel like it's, there's opposite science. <laughs> right, 
Right. Actually, I did hear recently that Kellogg's came up with a, the slogan, breakfast is the most important meal of the day for their cornflakes back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And we still say it now. And we still say so, it. Yeah. yeah. It's, the, the, it's the king of the king of meals is breakfast. Right. right. Yeah. So the first step for the woman over 40, if you know estrogen is going to decline, if you know you're going to become more insulin resistant, then let's just shorten the time that you're eating. Like, let's just go to this place where maybe you're eating, you know, seven, eight hours out of the day, and then you're fasting the rest of it. So it's, it's not that hard to do. It does require that you stop eating, try not eating the nine o'clock, 10 o'clock binging. See if you can, you can go more towards stop eating seven, eight o'clock. And then when you get up in the morning, have your cup of coffee, if you want it, have your cup of tea, if you want it, but then don't eat until 10 or 11 in the morning, just push breakfast back. And think of your 24-hour cycle as there is a window in which you're eating and there's a window when you're fasting. And if you start doing that, now you're training your body to be in the fat-burning energy system. And the byproduct of that is ketones. And ketones then go up into your brain and they start to repair neurons. The neurons that are degenerating that if you don't get ketones are going to lead to Alzheimer's later. So let's start regenerating these neurons and you're going to now start to get more mental clarity. And then as the ketones go up, you also, that signals the body to make more GABA. Well, as you're losing progesterone, you better hold on to some GABA because the GABA is the only thing that's going to calm you at that point. So this one switch, just taking your food and compressing it and elongating the time you're not eating has multiple fascinating effects on the for the menopausal woman. I agree. The side benefits are endless. We're talking about efficient energy creation. Super We're talking efficient. about loving our mitochondria who are there a part of cranking your cortisol. If your mitochondria are unhappy, you don't have cortisol. You know what I'm saying? And then what I love too is that shorter window is we know that if you eat, you know, if you can not eat three hours before you go to bed, that your glial cells can shrink and you can do a brainwashing, like clean up the amyloid plaque, clean up all the, the, the mess that's in there so that we are decreasing our chances for, for Alzheimer's. There's so many side benefits here when we take a look at it. But most important, let's be honest, you and I, all of us, we want more energy. We want a, we want efficient energy. I want energy all the time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I actually, after I've been doing these, this, these five things now, I have the biggest problem I have is I have too much energy. I can't, I know that everyone's like, I know, know, and I don't give it to me. (laughs) I I don't mean it in a braggy way. I mean it in my lifestyle has created so much consistent energy for me that sometimes it's nine o'clock at night and I'm like, hmm, can't really go to sleep because my energy has gotten, has been just built as the day has gone on. Now I have a whole routine around sleep that I do now to kind of calm myself down. But I just want to say that to show you what's possible. You're looking at a woman who at 20 years old had chronic fatigue syndrome. So I know what it's like to not have energy. And it's the worst of all symptoms because you can't function. No, it is the worst of all symptoms. Yes, it stinks when you're holding on to belly fat. Yes, it stinks to be thinking you're doing all the right things and not lose weight. But there is nothing worse than than having to negotiate your life about whether what kind of energy you've got for one thing versus another. I will say that I was the most selfish person when I had, I literally had nothing to give to anyone else, just me crawling through my day to get through work and go home and pass out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And this is why this one change, if we just say acknowledge that there is this other energy system, its fancy name is called the ketogenic energy system. And you know, you're there when your body starts making ketones. Well, if you don't have a ketone reader, okay, then you know, you're there when your mental clarity improves, your hunger goes away, when your energy goes up. This is all the benefit of learning how to train this energy system. And as long as we're over here debating carnivore, vegan, uh, paleo, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, as long as we're debating that, we are not tapping into this energy system that is really the most accessible through fasting. Hmm. And I just, I, I, it's so true. Like we've got to become more efficient with our energy, especially women. We have to, we've got to manage this insulin resistance. It is, the, the struggle is real. And Minnie, I love that you are painting possibility. I love that you're bragging about your energy. I want, <laughs> I want us to paint the vision of possibility for, for women listening to this, because I know every one of them, I know some many of us are waking up thinking, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm waking up tired, you know, and you know, how do I even crawl out of this? Is there any way to crawl out of this? And that first step. Now, what is the sweet spot for this window that we're talking about? What have you found, you know, working with so many women over the years? Great question. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about two of the most famous studies done on intermittent fasting. One is done on women. One is just done on the general public. And this is another challenge we have is we do not have enough studies on women on all topics, but especially on fasting. So with intermittent fasting, we know that 13 to 15 hours without food starts to to lower inflammation down, you'll manage insulin better. Um, They can even see it on blood work. Over 1,500 peer-reviewed journals were studied, and the New England Journal of Medicine came out looking at those studies in 2019 and said, okay, guys, the intermittent fasting should be your first line of treatment for obesity, diabetes, Alzheimer's, dementia, multiple sclerosis, pre and post surgeries, you name it, they, they, they listed off like 10 to 15 different conditions. But that was men and women. So 13 to 15 is great. Now, when we go and we look at the women's studies, a really interesting one was done on, on over 2,000 women who had been going through breast cancer and were doing traditional treatment. They had them just fast for 13 hours. And they did that consistently. And what they found is that after several months, it wasn't even that long, that those women over time started to have a 70% less reoccurrence of the breast cancer. So they were 70% less likely to have breast cancer come back. Okay, well, what was going on there? And a lot of it is just because the cells will start to go within and heal themselves. You were born with an innate healing power within you. The challenge is the moment you were born, you have a baby. The moment you were born, the world tells you, protect it from germs, medicate it, because this baby is weak and it needs something from the outside in to make it strong. But what fasting and intermittent fasting specifically starts to teach us is that, hey, when you take food out of the equation, you are a freaking intelligent giant in those cells that is going to start to heal you. So I personally think the sweet spot is 15 hours, 13 to 15 hours, but the research is so compelling. It's just really hard to argue with it. Mm, I just love, okay, awesome. That's because I know everyone is always asking, where is that? And I know that you've got the full on plan inside of the book too. Yep. Like we're yep. going to get the actionables. Uh, Dr. Minnie Pels, where do we, one, where do we get the book? 
And I know you're, you're, you're about to take it to Audible too, which is awesome. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for me. <laughs> if you pray, pray for me. Yeah. The, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes and Noble. The, I think the menopauseresetbook.com is the webpage that you can go and see everywhere that it, it is. And it's available now. It came out last week. So it's right there next to your book. I keep seeing it like showing up. I think at one point I took, I kept taking pictures last week. It was like, I was at women's health. I was like number one and you were number two. You'll pass me this week as your book comes out, but it, it's fun, right? It's so fun. It is so fun. And it's so fun to see you right there. And because I'm like, I'm just championing you on because there's not enough of us having this conversation. We need more of these books. And I just want to say congratulations. I think every woman 40 and beyond needs your book. And I'm super excited to put it in the show notes. We'll have it. I'll have an Instagram. It's going to go in email. It's going to go everywhere. And I just want to say, Mindy, honey, thank you so much for coming on, having this incredible conversation, girl, and um, and being the change that we need for women in the world. You're doing it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I tell everybody, if you doubt where menopause should go, what direction it should go, just come watch me. I'll show you that I'm just getting started. This is like the best part of my life. I got the kids out of the out of the house and I'm stepping into my brilliance. So I'm excited to 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 share it with everybody. Hmm, I love that. Thank you so much, honey. Ah, my pleasure. I know it can feel frustrating when our bodies change and we weren't given a plan to adapt to those changes. I hear this all the time that what worked three years ago, even one year ago, isn't working today. And I can personally relate. I remember that what I was doing a year prior didn't work anymore. And there was no amount of fighting through it that was gonna change anything. It just made it worse. During my conversation with Mindy today, we addressed those changes and how you can pivot to get your energy and metabolism back online. Now, if you really wanna dive deeper, and I highly recommend that you do, grab Mindy's new book, The Menopause Reset. And while you're at it, you might as well grab the EO Menopause Solution too, because these books are perfect companion books that will absolutely change your health and your life. I can't wait. These, both of these links will be in the show notes for this episode. And I honestly cannot wait for you to experience the transformations that we were talking about in today's show. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast today. As you know, Friday's episode is just around the corner and I'm sharing my top five favorite ways to boost your energy levels instantly. So if you are wanting energy like yesterday, this Friday episode is the one to tune into. Until then, have an amazing week. 